Hello and welcome to Recovery Corner, where we introduce you to those who are making a difference to help people navigate the road to recovery. I'm Thomas Becker with AverHealth, and today we're celebrating treatment court graduates ahead of the annual NADCP RISE National Conference this month. We recently hosted a webinar with some inspirational stories from treatment court graduates. Today, you'll hear from Jennifer McMorris of Midland County, Texas. She's joined here by Alan Bell, Agency Director for Midland Judicial District's Community Supervision and Corrections Department. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Hello. Thank you. Jennifer, let's uh, start with you to set the stage. During our recent webinar, you spoke so bravely and poignantly about um, past drug use. Take us back 15 years or so. What was life like for you then? So life before drug court, 15 years ago or so, you know, teenage years, uh, I began drinking and using um, at about 15 and became, a, I would say, having issues or a full-fledged addict by, by 17, where it was more daily use. Um, and then by 19, I was selling to make, you know, to get my own, to buy my own fix because I couldn't afford it myself um, and just dove heavy into the lifestyle. But at 18 and 21, um, I had children that I, I wasn't a very good mother to back then. Um, and thank God my mom was a part of my life. And I was pretty dependent on her during those years. Um, you know, during pregnancy was probably the only times that I was real sober other than when I was in prison. Mm. Um, I went to prison. My timelines are always fuzzy back then, but I went to prison at 22 and spent 18 months in TDCJID and Upon release, it took me less than six months to, to relapse and roll back downhill. And so life was in and out of prison, in and out of jail. Um, you know, I saw my kids and was trying to be a mother to my kids at the same time life was out of control. So life was pretty crazy before drug court. When you, you entered uh, drug court around, what, 2018, I believe? Yes. Um, Tell us how you got there. In other words, what was that aha moment that said either you're ready for that or you welcome that approach? So I'll be honest, that, that had to have been a, an all God thing. So I got in trouble um, for three different possession charges, one being in a correctional facility a year and a half, two years before I entered into drug court. So when they were first offering me my time, it was started at 10 they dropped down to eight, but they refused any kind of treatment for me then. And um, I ran from the charges. I wouldn't go sign and turn myself in. So I ran for a year and a half and was finally arrested on the warrants. Um, and I was probably in Midland County for almost 30 days before they posted the sign of um, specialty court opening, starting the adult felony drug court, um, where you, it was by an application process. And so... Um, you know, of course I prayed about it then and talked to several girls, um, while in County about it, seeing if anybody knew about it. And of course, nobody knew anything. Um, but I was highly encouraged to try. My attorney said that with my charges, I probably wasn't eligible, um, because I was a violent offender at the time. And that was one of the criteria that would make me ineligible for drug court. 
Um, but we decided to try anyways. So I applied, um, wrote a letter to the judge um, and my attorney and was denied. But I didn't want to take, take no for an answer. So I applied again um, and was denied again. So I did it a third time. Um, and by the third time, it was, I remember I, I probably was waiting a month, maybe a little over a month for a response and was expecting a rejection. And I was called into court and Judge Rainey read my letter to me um, or some of it um, and said, I'm going to give you a chance, even though I probably shouldn't or mm. something along those lines. Um, and I was so excited um, till I got back to my cell and they started telling me to prepare for um, to be released. And then I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I'd mm. spent four months in County. I was doing really good. I was sober. I, I wasn't, you know, when I was arrested on my warrants, it was, I was in the worst place I'd ever been in my addiction and in life. Um, and I was, I was just happy to hit County when I was arrested on my warrants. And so I got comfortable and was excited for the opportunity to get out and not have to do 10 years. Um, but I was also really scared. I didn't have a, I didn't have a plan, didn't have a place to go. Um, and when accepted into drug court, I remember getting out and it didn't take me, but a week, if that, before I relapsed again mm. and, um, was already expecting, I, I called my probation officer from the Walmart parking lot on the phone, sitting in somebody else's car. I don't even know whose car I was sitting in hmm. and told her where I was and just come pick me up. Cause I can't do it. Can't do it. Don't want to do it. Can't do this. It's, it's just a failure for me. And she told me to come, to come in and talk to her before making any brash decisions that she wanted to talk to me. And so I expected to go to jail when I came in to talk to her. But when I came in to talk to her, her and my counselor were here to talk to me. And I think that was the first time in many years that someone told me that they see potential in me, they believed in me, and I can do this. So, so, so between the judge and, and, and the, the, the story you just told, people believed in you, but they also gave you the confidence to believe in yourself. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't think I lacked, I don't think I, I lacked confidence for a, for a while. I mean, it took a while to build confidence in myself that I could actually do it. It's kind of like you go on autopilot and do what they're asking you to do and check your boxes and take the suggestions and, you know, do things they're, they're telling you to do, but nothing feels normal. And, and Alan, at what point here did you get to know Jennifer? I, I guess it was, uh, in 2018, we, uh, we had been working on, uh, opening the drug court for a while. And, uh, we started in October of 2018. And so there at the beginning, I was going to court every week, um, you know, to make sure, you know, uh, to help get it going and all that. And, uh, she was one of the first, uh, I guess one of the first five or 10 people that, that got accepted into drug court. And so, you know, when it's swami now we have, uh, you know, too many, you know, so many people in there now. Uh, but you know, I, I would see her every week, uh, you know, show up and, and I would hear her story and her ups and downs, um, as she went through it. So that was really my, my first, um, getting to getting to know her. I, I, I never dreamed it would come to where it is now, but, uh, uh, 
um, with her, you know, uh, employed with the department. Um, but yeah, that's where I first met her was, uh, when she was in drug court. And, and we'll get to, to Jennifer's role with you uh, shortly, but Alan, I, I think as you started that court and you saw the results, it must've been very heartening to see, uh, this start from, from scratch to see the success, uh, with Jennifer included. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was always something that, uh, when, when we first, I mean, this was in the works probably for a year or two, just, you know, you know, talking about it and all. And I've, I've always believed that, you know, for, for probation to, to be successful, uh, in what its mission is, we, we need more resources. And I, I think that's one thing the drug court brings is it brings to bear all of these resources, um, uh, in a really spectacular way, uh, and, and, and brings the judge to oversee. And of course, you know, there's, there's not enough funding or whatever to, to do that with, with everyone. But, you know, when we started the idea with, with drug court, the whole idea is that somebody like Jennifer, it had to be somebody that was looking at, if it wasn't for drug court, they would go to prison. So that was really where Jennifer was headed was another stint in prison that, you know, wouldn't really bring, I don't think the resources to her that she got while she was in drug court. So, mm. you know, if not for drug court, that's where she and, you know, pretty much everybody else that has gone through drug court would be. Jennifer, tell, tell us about the, the challenges for you in drug court. What was that like? Talk to us a little bit about the accountability that's in drug courts. Well, there's definitely a lot of accountability. I mean, I, I've always said that, you know, drug court is a probation on steroids. Um, so there's a lot more monitoring supervision. Um, you're, you're face-to-face with members of the team weekly, um, especially in the beginning. And then seeing the judge weekly, that always makes anybody nervous in that position. <laughs> but, I mean, it's there's a lot of accountability. Just you knowing that, you know, whether... You're going to have to get up and go see your probation officer. You're going to get up and have counseling or you have group that night or you may have a random UA. I mean, there was so much the day would, that would unpredict the day with the UA and then uh, groups and stuff. You knew you had responsibilities to do, um, which, of course, in eventually helped keep me sober. I mean, knowing that I had to get up and go to group and I had to get up and do this and check this box or do this or see judge and. Um, so the accountability was, it's definitely a big part of that. And, and you had, to, what were some challenges for you during, during court? You you would, you tried to apply a couple times. Someone believed in you. Uh, what was it like personally to, for you to, to succeed? So, you know, there's, it's, it's evolved so much since I was first in drug court, um, but I didn't have a, I didn't have a good place to go. Um, I tried to go to my mom's to live with her and my kids and me and my mom just weren't on the same page. Cause you know, you burn <coughs> all your family bridges or friends or loved ones by the time you get to that place. And, uh, so we tried that and that's when I relapsed, you know, we got into a big fight. I left the only people I knew were people that were still using um, and so that was the biggest challenge at first was finding somewhere to lay my head that I could actually apply myself to the program and not have to worry about um, drugs or alcohol being around. Um, and actually one of 
one of the girls that I grew up with and went to grade school with, um, her and her parents offered me a place to stay. Probably two months in, and I was staying with someone who was still using that I was just trying to hole up in one area of the house um, and make sure to stay out of the house as much as possible until I had to sleep. And, um, and that was a life-saving ordeal for me to, was to go stay with my friend and, um, and her parents. And they were highly supportive when my family wasn't around. They helped me get to classes and UAs and all of that good stuff. And then the next challenge that I encountered was staying sober, right? Um, my probation officer told me to focus on my sobriety because I was having a hard time staying sober before I would, before I could work. And so that life, um, the challenge in life was I, I wasn't making any money. I still needed to pay all the fees. That stuff doesn't stop. Um, and so I was highly focused on all that stuff and it was definitely weighs me down in the beginning. What was it like to graduate after all that challenge? Oh, I'll remember my drug court graduation and I hardly remember my high school graduation. <laughs> they tell me I walked across the stage, but I don't remember much of it. But I, if my mom asked me one time, when did you graduate? And I gave her 2020 and she was like, no, your high school graduation. And it's like, oh, that one. I mean, so it's the first, that's the graduation. I'll always remember. It's my um, favorite time of the year. Each time it comes around for other participants, I hardly sit down. I'm running around talking to everybody, congratulating everybody. Um, that's definitely my favorite part of it. So, Alan, what prompted you to take a chance on Jennifer as a member of your team? What, what, she she works under, under your department right now. What, uh, what did you see in her as far as what she would bring to the program? Well, and, and it, it's kind of a, a combination of things. It, it's it's a, it was kind of a, a perfect storm, I, I, I guess, in that, um, in that you know, uh, when I started in probation in uh, in, in 1991. It was kind of a tail them, nail them, and jail them philosophy. Um, you know, it was just you got to walk this line, and if you don't, we're we'll send you to prison. Everything was no tolerance. Um, you know that kind of thing. And and then and since that time, over the years, probation has become, uh, I don't know, kind of a kinder, gentler probation. And mm -hmm. and and what we found through various research things that have gone on and studies and. And, and things are that, um, you know, uh, you know, we're, we need to provide them with resources and um, ways to uh, change their thinking, to basically change their, their criminal thinking, if you want to call it. Um, and uh, so, I mean, we start doing that. And then, um, but I always felt like we were still missing something. And it's just every time Jennifer talks about about what what she went through, you know, just what she was just saying uh, a minute ago about, you know, it was two months in to drug court before she really ever found a place to, to stable place to stay. Um, you know, um, I'm talking about there, there's transportation issues. You know, she was saying what two weeks in or two days in she was sitting in somebody's car in the Walmart parking lot, doesn't know whose car it was, you know, and when it was using again. And it's these things that generally as probation officers, we don't understand that. I mean, we don't, we don't, most of us, I'd say 99% of us don't, don't live that. And so, um, 
I, I think somebody like like Jennifer brings this this missing missing link to probation. Um, we her her title is a is a responsivity specialist, and that's just something I kind of made up because you know uh, there there's the uh, you know the risk need and responsivity principle, and so probation is really good at identifying the risk, and we're pretty good at, at identifying the need. But it's that responsivity element, sort of of how do you bring the 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 person to the resources or the resources to the person. And so, anyway, I think that um, uh, what Jennifer after she after sometime after she graduated, uh, she began working with this local organization called Thriving United, and they were kind of new on the scene too. Um, and so, what they are. Uh, is um, uh, in, in a rough explanation, is they're, uh, they're a group of uh, uh, volunteers in the community with a nonprofit organization. They're, they're, they're primarily um, uh, former addicts mm -hmm. and um, they provide peer, uh, peer support for people that are going through that. People that may, that have issues with, they may be living on the street or you know, living on somebody's couch, um, they're using, they, you know, have trouble keeping a job, those kind of things. So, mm -hmm. so they come in and they, uh, they, they help, uh, through their own lived experience, they help people through that. So Thriving United came on the scene Jennifer was working with them and, um, she started coming over to the probation department and, uh, we even created an office for her as part of Thriving United, and she would come once a week and would work with some of our probationers. Um, and so during, all this was happening, and, and so my, my mind started turning, and I said, you know, um, what? wouldn't it be a great resource to have her all the time, 40 hours a week working with us? Um, and so I created the position. I was able to, to, to move some money around and um, – uh, um, fortunately she, she took me up on the offer. Uh, um, I, I think she had to take a cut and pay to do it, but she, <laughs> she took me up on the offer and, um, you know, I just, I feel like she can, she, she has two roles and one is to explain to, to help us in the probation department, understand what it's like to be the person out there to be the addict, to be yeah. the probationer when we expect certain things and we're just shocked that they can't come go through with it. She kind of adds a little bit of an explanation, not an excuse, but an explanation yeah. as to what's really happening to that person out there. And then on the other end of things, she talks to the probationer, the addict, whatever. And she explains to them that, you know, Probation is really not here to make your life terrible. Probation is really not trying to put you into prison. Um, you know, probation is trying to help you, but you kind of got to help yourself a little bit also. And so she sort of helps bridge that gap. Um, she's that 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 middle woman that bridges that that gap for us. What great insight, though, and a great idea, uh, particularly all that uh, that she's been through. Jennifer, to kind of wrap things up, um, and you can certainly uh, allude to the to, to the work you're doing to help the community. But to paint a picture of your life today, and, and what would you, where would you be without drug court? Oh, I'd definitely be in prison or dead. I mean, that's that's the path that I was on, right? Yeah. Jail's institution or death. Um, 
and I was definitely, you know, barreling through that pathway. Um, I would have been lucky to just, just to make it to prison on that path if drug court hadn't come into play. Um, life today is great. Number one, I get the, the best job in the world. Cause, um, I, I remember saying towards the end of drug court, I wanted to be a counselor. And if I was, if everything went my way, I'd be a counselor for specialty court one day. And so it's, it's really cool just to be here. It's that moment where you figured out everything you prayed for has come true. Um, I'm married. Um, we, we, we own our own house. I have my own car. Um, my youngest daughter does live with me. My oldest daughter just graduated high school. Stepson just graduated high school. Um, and I get to be a present mom today. Um, I get to be a wife worth having a friend worth having, you know, a daughter to my mom. Um, I'm able to go and help my grandmother who's can hardly walk on my days off. I mean, it's just, you couldn't ask for a better life. I'm involved in a church in a church group, a lot of service work in the community. Um, and then I get to spend the time with the best participants in the world, watching people go through drug court and overcome all their stuff. Um, is just amazing to make that huge life change. So I'm definitely a pro drug court fan. <laughs> wow. As we all reach for the Kleenex box, I wanted to thank you again for, for sharing uh, not only um, your life's history, but, but some of the advocacy that you're doing on behalf of folks in Midland County and nationwide. Uh, and Alan, certainly thank you as well for being on top of, of the trends in probation and doing what you can for Midland County. Check out uh, averhealth.com to see our webinar, uh, to see more of Jennifer and Alan, as well as other participants, because we'll be continuing this theme in future podcasts to feature other treatment court graduates doing great things. Alan, Jennifer, thank you again for joining us. Yes, sir. Thank you. And look for us again next time on Recovery Corner.